The French Revolution, A History, by Thomas Carlyle, Volume 2, The Constitution. Book 5, Parliament First. Chapter 8, The Jacobins. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Peter Dan. Book 5, Chapter 8, The Jacobins. Nevertheless, let not patriotism despair. Have we not, in Paris at least, a virtuous pétion, a wholly patriotic municipality? Virtuous pétion, ever since November, is mayor of Paris. In our municipality, the public, for the public is now admitted too, may behold an energetic Danton, further an epigrammatic, slow sure Manuel, a resolute, unrepentant Biot-Varennes of Jesuit breeding, Dalien, able editor, and nothing but patriots, better or worse. So ran the November elections, to the joy of most citizens. Nay, the very court supported Pétion rather than Lafayette. And so Bailly and his feuillon, long waning like the moon, had to withdraw then, making some sorrowful obeisance into extinction, or indeed into worse, into lurid half-light, grimmed by the shadow of that red flag of theirs, and bitter memory of the Champ de Mars. How swift is the progress of things and men! Not now does Lafayette, as on that Federation day, when his noon was, press his sword firmly on the fatherland's altar and swear in sight of France. Ah, no! He, waning and setting ever since that hour, hangs now, disastrous, on the edge of the horizon, commanding one of those three molting crane flights of armies in a most suspected, unfruitful, uncomfortable manner. But at most cannot patriotism, so many thousands strong in this metropolis of the universe, help itself? Has it not right hands, pikes, Hammering of pikes, which was not to be prohibited by Mayor Bailly, has been sanctioned by Mayor Pétion, sanctioned by Legislative Assembly. How not when the King's so-called Constitutional Guard was making cartridges in secret? Changes are necessary for the National Guard itself. This whole foyant aristocrat staff of the Guard must be disbanded. Likewise, citizens without uniform may surely rank in the guard, the pike beside the musket in such a time. The active citizen and the passive who can fight for us, are they not both welcome? Oh, my patriot friends, indubitably, yes. Nay, the truth is, patriotism throughout, were it never so white-frilled, logical, respectable, must either lean itself heartily on sanscalottism, the black bottomless, or else vanish in the frightfullest way to limbo. Thus some with upturned nose will altogether sniff and disdain sans-colotism. Others will lean heartily on it. Nay, others again will lean what we call heartlessly on it. Three sorts, each sort with a destiny corresponding. In such point of view, however, have we not for the present a volunteer ally, stronger than all the rest, namely hunger? hunger and what rushing of panic terror this and the sum total of our other miseries may bring. For sanscalotism grows by what all other things die of. Stupid Peter By, he almost made an epigram, though unconsciously, and with the patriot world laughing not at it but at him, when he wrote, Tout va bien ici, le pain manque. All goes well here, victuals not to be had. 
Neither, if you knew it, is patriotism without a constitution that can march her not-impotent parliament, or call it ecumenic council and general assembly of the Jean-Jacques churches, the Mother Society, namely. Mother Society, with her 300 full-grown daughters, with what we can call little granddaughters trying to walk in every village of France, numerable, as Burke thinks, by the hundred thousand. This is the true constitution, made not by 1,200 august senators, but by nature herself, and has grown, unconsciously, out of the wants and the efforts of these 25 millions of men. They are lords of the articles, our Jacobins. They originate debates for the legislative discuss peace and war, settled beforehand what the legislative is to do. Greatly to the scandal of philosophical men, and of most historians, who do in that judge naturally and yet not wisely. A governing power must exist. Your other powers here are simulacra. This power is it. Great is the mother society. She has had the honour to be denounced by Austrian Kaunitz and is all the dearer to patriotism. By fortune and valour she has extinguished Fouillantism itself, at least the Fouillant Club. This latter, high as it once carried its head, she, on the 18th of February, has the satisfaction to see shut, extinct, patriots having gone thither with tumult to hiss it out of pain. The Mother's Society has enlarged her locality, stretches now over the whole nave of the church. Let us glance in with the worthy Toulongion, our old ex-constituent friend, who happily has eyes to see. The nave of the Jacobins' church, says he, is changed into a vast circus, the seats of which mount up circularly like an amphitheatre to the very groin of the domed roof. A high pyramid of black marble, built against one of the walls, which was formerly a funeral monument, has alone been left standing. It serves now as back to the office-bearer's bureau. Here, on an elevated platform, sit president and secretaries, behind and above them the white busts of Mirabeau, of Franklin, and various others, nay, finally, of Marat. Facing this is the tribune, raised till it is midway between floor and groin of the dome, so that the speaker's voice may be in the centre. From that point thunder the voices which shake all Europe. Down below, in silence, are forging the thunderbolts and the firebrands. Penetrating into this huge circuit, where all is out of measure, gigantic, the mind cannot repress some movement of terror and wonder. The imagination recalls those dread temples which poetry of old has consecrated to the avenging deities. Scenes, too, are in this Jacobin amphitheatre. Had history time for them? Flags of the three free peoples of the universe, trinal brotherly flags of England, America, France, have been waved here in concert by London deputation of Whigs or Whigs and their club on this hand, and by young French citizenesses on that, beautiful, sweet-tongued female citizens who solemnly send over salutation and brotherhood, or so trickler stitched by their own needle, and finally ears of wheat, while the dome rebellows with Vivons les trois peuples libres from all throats, a most dramatic scene. 
Demoiselle Terogne recites from that tribune in mid-air her persecutions in Austria, comes leaning on the arm of Joseph Chenier, poet Chenier, to demand liberty for the hapless Swiss of Chateauvieux. Be of hope, ye forty Swiss, tugging there in the breast waters, not forgotten. Deputy Brissot perorates from that tribune. Desmoulins, our wicked Camille, interjecting audibly from below. Coquin! Here, though oftener in the Cordeliers, reverberates the lion voice of Danton. Grimbiot, Varenne is here. Collot de Bois, pleading for the forty Swiss, tearing a passion to rags. Apophthegmatic Manuel winds up in this pithy way. Our minister must perish, to which the amphitheatre responds, Two, two, all, all. But the chief priest and speaker of this place, as we said, is Robespierre, the long-winded, incorruptible man. What spirit of patriotism dwelt in men in those times, this one fact, it seems to us, will evince that fifteen hundred human creatures, not bound to it, sat quiet under the oratory of Robespierre, nay, listened nightly, hour after hour, applausive, and gaped as for the word of life. More insupportable individual, one would say, seldom opened his mouth in any tribune. Acrid, implacable, impotent, dull, drawling, barren as the Hamatan wind, he pleads in endless, earnest, shallow speech against woollen caps or bonnet rouge, against many things, and is the trismegistus and Dalai Lama of patriot men, whom nevertheless a shrill-voiced little man, yet with fine eyes and a broad, beautifully sloping brow, rises respectfully to controvert. He is, say the newspaper reporters, Monsieur Louvet, author of the charming Romance of Faublas, Steady, ye patriots, pull not yet two ways, with a France rushing panic-stricken in the rural districts and a Sumerian Europe storming in on you. End of Book 5, Chapter 8